everlasting Father God in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, we acknowledge you, we submit to your rulership, we acknowledge you as our Lord. Ancient of days, O God in heaven, we have come to hear your word, your word that transforms, your word that encourages, your word that also corrects. We ask in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would minister life unto us. For your words are the word that I speak to you, that they are life and they are of the Spirit. Let your name be glorified, O God. Cleanse us from every evil work and let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, again, just want to say happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Um, it's so remarkable that Valentine's Day happens to be on a Sunday this year. But even as we celebrate uh, Valentine's Day, we must not remember the greatest gift given to any man. And that is the gift of salvation. And salvation was given to us on the premise of love. John chapter 3 verse 16 reminds us that for God so loved you and I that he sent his only son, Jesus. That on account of our sins he would die and on the third day he would rise again. And by so, we have eternal life. What a privilege for us to be called the sons of God. Amen. And so happy Valentine's Day to you all. Although we're in a lockdown and we can't do anything, but again, we encourage you to let everything be godly and let his name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. For those of us who are writing this morning, which I always encourage us to, mainly because we cannot grasp everything that will be shared this morning, but however, uh, the things that you write is what you commit to your memory. And as, and as such, you're able to review and indeed dig deeper in the place of meditation to understand what is God really saying. Hallelujah. Okay. And so this morning, uh, the title of my sermon is The Soul. Hallelujah. The Soul. The Soul. And I regard it as an instrument for love. Hallelujah. The Soul. I regard it as an instrument for love. And our anchor text is taken from two portions of scripture. Mark chapter 12 from verse 30 to 31. And we'll be reading from the book of 1 John chapter 4 from verses 17 to 21. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will minister life to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Okay. And so if you would do me the, or if you would do me the honor, let us just read the word together. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 12 from verses 30 to 31, and I believe is legibly on your screen. And it says, just to give a background, um, the scribes who were known as those who were custodians of the law came to Jesus to ask him what is or which is the first commandment of all. And Jesus replied and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Hallelujah. And the next scripture is in the book of First John. Book of First John, chapter 4, from verses 17 to 21. Hallelujah. And I, and, I, and, I, and I love how Apostle John starts this scripture. And he says, the love has been perfected among us. Hallelujah. Love has been perfected among us. Who is the us in this context? 
the believers, those who acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. And he says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Hallelujah. You know, um, one of the beautiful things, just to digress a bit, because I mean, something just ministered to my heart even as I read this passage. You see, one of the beautiful things about the assurance of salvation is this, is that on the day of judgment, I'm not questioning whether I'm saved or not. Praise God. That is what Apostle John was saying, that the love of God has been perfected in us to the extent that on the day of judgment, when those who are not in the love of God are scared or afraid of condemnation or afraid of damnation, the Bible said that we have what? This boldness in the day of judgment because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Praise God. As God is loving, so are we also in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Praise God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Remember I said last time that the greatest revelation anybody can have as it relates or as it pertains to the Christian work, is understanding the extent of God's love for you and I. Praise God. Is to understand, to fully grasp how much God loves me. Because when I walk in the fullness of this understanding, I need not fear. Praise God. I need not fear. The Bible said that, you know, the psalmist understood this and he said, what can man do to me? Praise God, because I understand that I have been made perfect in the love of God. Verse 19, it says we love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must do what? Love his brother also. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, it is always easy. You know, some, some people will say that, you know, talk is cheap. Praise God. It is always easy to pay lip service to Christianity. Praise God. It is always easy for us to say, oh, I am a Christian. But the reality is that when push comes to shove, only those who are able to back up what they say with corresponding action are only those who are known to be true believers. Praise God. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus was speaking in the book of Luke chapter 6 from verse 46 to 47. Luke chapter 6 from verses 46 to 47, Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do and not do the things which I say? Praise God. Why do you call me Lord, and yet you cannot back up the things that you are saying with your actions? He says that indeed, whoever comes to me and hears my saying, and does them. It says, I will show you whom it is he is like. Praise God. 
whoever comes to me and does what? Number one, you must hear. And in your hearing, your hearing must bring about obedience in the context of you doing what you have heard. The Bible said that I will liken this man to a man who built his house on the rock. That even when the wind came and the torments or the, or the tempest blew, the Bible regards that that house remained steadfast because the house was established on the rock. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the reality of it is that the proof of our Christianity is not in the ability of us to be able to tick a box. Whenever you're filling a form saying, oh, a religion, you tick either Islam or Christian or non-believing atheist. At that point in time is not when you prove that you're a Christian. The proof of your Christian is not when you bow down your heads to pray in public before you eat. It is not only then that you prove that you're a Christian. It is also not a proof that you're a Christian when you confess to others and say, hello, I'm a Christian. How can I help you? That's not the case. The proof of our Christian faith lies in our ability, praise God, in our ability to be able to back up what we say with what we do. Praise God. Remember, the Bible tells us that Jesus, in the book of James, the book of James chapter 2, the Bible says from verse 18, it says, but someone will say you have faith. Praise God. And I have works. It says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What am I trying to say? It is easy to say I love you. Praise God. It is easy to say I love you. Remember the scripture we read last week in book of John. Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. Praise God. But what happened when Jesus was going to be crucified? The Bible says that and Peter was the one who denied Jesus Christ. Praise God. In other words, it is not enough to claim that you love me. The proof of your love is your ability to stay with me in when things are not going good. Little wonder that when of all the apostles who had the right or the legitimate boldness to talk about love, it had to be John. Because after all the disciples had flown or, or, or they fleed, only Apostle John remained. And that is why on the cross, Jesus told John, he says, John, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. Praise the Lord. The proof of your love is your ability to stay, even when things don't go well. And that is why last week, we said that love must be a choice. It is not based on human feelings. It is not based on the material gains that we enjoy. The love of God must be proven even when things don't go the way we do. Praise God. And that is why the Bible carries on in that book of James verse 22. It says, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? Talking about Abraham. And it says, and the works, faith, and by works, faith was made perfect. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. 
Praise God. A man is justified by faith, by works and not by faith only. In other words, you cannot claim you have faith. You cannot claim that you love without being able to show how much you are willing to go. And I think I asked that question with the song that we know back in the day. How deep is your love for me? Praise God. How deep is your love for God? Because the Bible says here in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, it says that what? Faith can only work. Praise God. When you read the book of First Corinthians 13, it says, even if I give all my goods to the poor and I give my body to be burnt and I do not do it based on love, it promises me nothing. And the book of Galatians 5 and 6 here says that the only way our faith can work is when it is powered by love. Praise God. When our faith is powered by love, remember, just to bring our minds back to what we're talking about today, the title of my sermon is The Soul, an Instrument for Love. The Soul, an Instrument for Love. And so, we are looking at, according to scriptures, like we read in Mark 12 verse 30, Jesus was telling the scribe, and he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Praise God. And so last week, we looked at how to love God with all our heart. And now we're looking at the next phase. How then do I love God with all my soul? Praise God. And so we're looking on the subject, the soul of man. Because you cannot claim to love God with your soul without, first of all, understanding what is the soul of man. Praise God. What is the soul of man? Hallelujah. What is the soul of man? According to scripture, according to scripture, we are told that a man is a tripartite being. In other words, what consists of man or what makes man or what we class as a human being is a consummation of three elements. And those elements include the spirit, it includes the soul, and it includes the body. When either of this is meaning, we cannot, is missing rather, we cannot say that person is a human being. Praise God. And so when you look at the animals, animals don't have a soul. Praise God. And animals, in other words, sorry, animals don't have a spirit. Praise God. Because remember we learned that our spirit man, I think we spoke about that in January, that our spirit man is the antenna through which man communicates with God. And so in the context of that, animals don't have spirit. Praise God. Because they have no communion or they have no relationship with God. They were made for the convenience of man. Praise God. And so when any of these three is missing, you cannot say, such a being is a human being. Praise God. And so, Apostle Paul goes ahead and says, Now, may the God of peace himself do what? Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, we are, we are establishing now that in the full composition of man, man is made up of what? The spirit. Man is made up of the soul. And man is made up of the body. 
Praise God. But then, how then do they function? How then do they function? Just again, don't lose the trail of thought here. We're looking at the soul as an instrument for us to love God with. Praise God. As an instrument for us to love God. Now, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, praise God. At the point where you and I, before we give our life to Christ, the Bible regards that our spirit was dead. Praise God. In other words, we could not communicate with God even if we tried. If you remember, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were tempted, the Bible said that, did God really say you shall surely die? What God was referring to, the death God was referring to was the death of the spirit man. Because at that point in time, there was no platform for communication. There was no platform for relationship. Because the Bible said, look of John 4, it says that for God is spirit hallelujah god is spirit and anyone that must worship god anyone that must communicate with god anyone that must fellowship with god must do so in spirit and in truth praise god and so when it comes to the point where we give our lives to christ it is the spirit man in us that is awakened. Then the Holy Spirit is able to dwell or to fellowship with our spirit. That's when he bears witness with us that we are truly the sons of God. I pray I'm making sense. Hallelujah. And so in other words, when it comes to the context of the spirit, the soul and the body, the spirit addresses our God consciousness. Praise God. It is the spirit in us that acknowledges that God exists. That is why an atheist can never acknowledge the existence of God because they cannot discern it. They cannot discern it. The Bible says that, you know, that, that I think it was in the book of 1 Corinthians 2. It says that for only the spirit of a man can know the things of that man. For the things of God can only be spiritually what? Discerned. And so an atheist, an unbeliever can never comprehend or accept the existence of God. Why? Because the medium through which they can understand this, is dead. Hallelujah. And so our spirit addresses the element of God consciousness. Now we come to the aspect of the soul. Now the soul is the, comes to the point of our self-consciousness. What makes us us? What makes Jeffrey Jeffrey? What makes you that is watching me you? Praise God. And in the soul is the seat where we can look at our will, our emotions, and our mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. It is the soul that contributes to our emotions. In other words, when something happens good, it is my soul that is able to interpret it and therefore I react by shouting, Hallelujah. Thank God he has answered my prayer. It is that same soul that when things go bad, I'm able to reflect in sadness and say, Lord, take control. Lord, or for instance, you go through something and you begin to weep. It is only because your soul is able to communicate with the natural realm. Praise God. And so it is fair to say that your spirit interacts with the supernatural realm and your soul communicates with the earthly realm or the things that we go or experience around us. Praise the Lord. Now we come to the aspect of the body. The body brings about the world consciousness. In other words, when it comes to the realm of the flesh or the realms of this secular world, you realize that you cannot exist in this world without having a body. 
Praise God. It is just the law of God. You cannot exist on this earth. And that is why anything that exists outside the frame or the structure of the human being is regarded as an alien. And so when God wanted to save us, he had to send Jesus in the form of a man. Remember the Bible said that God is what? Spirit. And so for him to be able to interact and execute the things he planned for us here on the earth, he had to come or send his son in the form of a man. And so without the body, we cannot interact with this earth. Praise God. I pray I'm making sense because I'm going somewhere. And so when we are looking at the aspect of the soul now, we are saying here, when you look at scripture, you now begin to look at that the soul truly is the essence of who we are. Praise God. In other words, when a man or woman dies, their soul is not dead. And I'll give you biblical proof. You look at first and foremost, Matthew verse 26. I think this was one of the very first scriptures that I learned as a child in Sunday school. The Bible says in Matthew 16 verse 26, it says, for what shall he profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give for the exchange of his soul? And so your soul is you. Your soul is you. Oftentimes you hear someone say that they have sold what? Their soul to the devil. Praise God. You look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. The Bible said that, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. The, the King James Version says, A man became a living soul. New King James says, Man became a living being. In other words, the element of soul here is talking about the essence of man. It is the core of who you are. Praise God. It is the seat of your consciousness. It is from there that you make decisions. It is from there that you, you are able to give your body instructions on whether to do what is right or what is wrong. This is where decisions are made. And so, every time you decide to do something that is contrary to God's word, whenever you decide to break the law, your body did not break the law. It was your soul that instructed your body to act. Praise God, because without the soul, the body is useless. Praise the Lord. Matthew 10 verse 28. The Bible says that what? This was Christ speaking to his disciples when he was sending them out. And he says, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Hallelujah. And so when we are judged on judgment day, you see, we know that our spirit communicates with God. And so the spirit in us, small letter S, is the medium through which God communicates with me. And my soul is where I decide. It's my free will. In other words, the Spirit of God can be telling me something, but I choose not to do it because my soul says I should not do it. That is the portion of me that is being judged on judgment day. Praise God. And so, you realize that that is where God, you see, 
for those of us who are believers, those of us who are Christians, it was the, the good news, the gospel you heard, it was your soul that first of all received it before your spirit man followed suit. Praise God. Because is the, our soul is the seat of our decisions. That is where we decide, should I or should I not? That is where we feel pain, we exhibit our emotions. That is the portion of us that is able to think, that is able to interpret events or discern. Hallelujah. And now the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 12 that we read earlier, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, if this is my soul, the portion of me where I get to decide what I should do and not do, then it makes sense when God begins to say, love the Lord with all your soul. Why? Because that is the portion of me God cannot control. That is the portion of me that gets to decide God cannot force me to love him. Praise God. Because if you are forcing somebody to love you, it's not love, it's witchcraft. Praise God. Because I had no element of impute in making that decision. And God is not a God who forces us. By nature, he's a gentleman. And so we get to choose. And here, Jesus is saying that the first commandment is that you and I must do what? Love the Lord with all our heart and all our soul. Praise God. All of our soul. And so the question is, how do I love God with my soul? Praise God. How do I love God with my soul? And remember I said it is easy to pay lip service. It is easy to pay lip service to Christianity. You can say, yes, I'm a Christian. But when it comes to prove your Christianity, praise God, that is when you can truly decide whether you love God or not. And so you realize that in loving God with all my soul, in loving God with all my soul, it now becomes a point where I decide, irrespective of whatever is happening around me, that I make that conscious decision to love God regardless. Praise God. Loving the Lord with all my soul comes to the point where I choose deliberately, irrespective of what my feelings are saying. Because remember, feelings, feelings are circumstantial. Feelings are influenced by several factors. Feelings are influenced by human beings, the people around us. For example, somebody can come up to me. That's why Jesus was saying that if someone comes up to you and slaps you on one cheek, your soul is supposed to say, here is my second cheek, slap me. Praise the Lord. But again, you ask yourself, but Lord, how can I do this? And I say it again that the proof of our Christianity, it is not by saying that I'm a Christian, but when push comes to shove, am I going to choose, am I going to make that decision 
to follow God or to obey God regardless of what my feelings or what my emotions are trying to tell me, only then am I truly able to prove the love of God. Hallelujah. And so we have established what the soul is. And that brings me to the crux of what I wanted to talk about today. You see, the reality of it is you cannot talk about the soul and not talk about your interactions with your fellow human beings. Praise God. We cannot, if the soul is our core, if the soul is where we make decisions, if the soul is the seat of our consciousness, where we are able to interact with the events around us and for that reason make a decision, we cannot talk about the soul and not talk about our interactions with people. And the reality of it is that if this is the case, you begin to see sense in what Apostle John was saying when he was talking about in the book of First John chapter 4 from verses 18. First John chapter 4 verses 18 where he says that indeed there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear. And it says because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And the verse 21 that I wanted to talk about says, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Praise God. Must love his brother also. Praise God. And if that is the case, we have to look at the subject of forgiveness. We have to look at the subject of forgiveness. Oftentimes, you will hear people make a statement that, oh, they say, oh, it's not possible to forgive and forget. You see, I think I said it here two Sundays ago or last Sunday, and I said, God will never demand of you and I what he has not of himself done already. Praise God. I'll say it again. God will never demand of you and I for what of himself he has not done already. And so, we begin to look at what Apostle Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when he began to define what love is. It says what? Number four, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love does not behave rudely love does not seek of its own and is not provoked love thinks no evil other version says it keeps no record of wrong why am i saying this many a times we are so quick to ask god for forgiveness but god is on the other hand saying and we often say this in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive me my sins, even as I also have forgiven those who offend me. The Bible says here that in the world, it is impossible for offense not to come. Praise God. It is impossible. In other words, except you choose to live in a cave that is all about you, you would always be offended. But the question is, how will you react when the time of offense comes? 
That is what it means to love God with all your soul. When you have the ability to retaliate and you choose not to, when you have the opportunity to speak and hurt and you choose not to, when you have the opportunity to inflict pain and yet you choose not to, that is a proof of love. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says here that Verse 6, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth and bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, and endures all things. And the verse 8, it says, love can never fail. Hallelujah. Love can never fail. That is what God is speaking to you and to me this morning. In this world, people will offend you. That's a guarantee. In this world, people will hurt your feelings. That's a guarantee. But the choice remains. Will you choose to go down the path of the greatest commandment? Or would you choose to have your way? After all, the Bible says that what we must love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, hallelujah, with all our soul, is all to follow God or nothing else. And if God is the one that we seek to please, then forgiveness is not an option. The disciples came to ask Jesus and said, how many times must I forgive my brother before I cannot forgive them any longer? Praise God. In other words, this person has offended me for so long. At what point is their cup full? Praise God. Where I have the privilege to do to them what I wish. And Jesus said, you must forgive them seven times 70 in a day. Praise God. In other words, for me to not forgive, the person must have offended me up to the 491st time. At that point, I choose not to forgive. My brother and my sisters, how many hours do we have in a day? 24. How many minutes do we have in a day? Um, for, for, for those who are mathematically inclined, I, I can't think of that now. But my point is this. There is no way somebody can offend you 470 times, 490 times in a day. It is not possible. In other words, the only choice we have to prove that we are Christians is to forgive and no buts. Praise God. You know, when I was growing up, my parents would ask me, why did you react the way you did? I said, eh, but daddy, but... You see, but with God, there is no but. It's either you forgive or you forgive. Praise God. And the question is, who has offended you? Who has hurt you? Who has caused pain to you that you're wondering, but Lord, how can I move on from this? The Bible says, cast your cares upon me, for indeed I care for you. The burden is for Jesus to carry our responsibility is to forgive. Praise God. 
Many at times we think that forgiveness is for us to carry the burden. No. Forgiveness is just us opening the door for God to enter into us and have his way. Praise God. Forgiveness is us opening the door and asking God to come and lift my burdens. Forgiveness is God, is for us saying to God, I roll it all to you. Do with it as you please. And I end with the words of Charles Spurgeon. And he says, It is nobler to forgive and let the offense pass. To let an injury rankle in your bosom and to meditate revenge is to old wounds open and to make new ones. Better forgive and forget. Hallelujah. Better forgive and forget. When it comes to the subject of forgiveness, our responsibility is not to carry the burden. Our responsibility is to say, Lord, I forgive. Come and carry the burden of the offense that was done to me. And God is faithful and just. That what he promises he will do, he will surely do. And so perhaps there is someone you are yet to forgive this morning. This is that time to open the door. Even as we bow our heads to pray. Why don't you open your mouth and say, Lord, I believe your word is true. I acknowledge that I have been offended. Lord Jesus, I open the door. Lift up these burdens and set me free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Everlasting God in heaven, I also want to pray for anyone whom is yet to make the Lord Jesus their Lord and their personal Savior because Jesus cannot leave the burdens until you acknowledge him as Lord. Lord is a proof of ownership. To regard someone Lord is to acknowledge that they hold supreme power and authority over you. Why don't you say this prayer with me also and say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I confess my sins before you. Cleanse me with your blood. Write my name in the book of life. Grant me the privilege to walk in the reality of the new creation. Even as I confess you as my Lord and personal Savior. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. Everlasting God in heaven, I thank you for the privilege to preach your word. The Bible says in John 15 verse 3 that you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone who has heard me may their heart be cleansed of every offense and let the grace to love be received in the name of Jesus. For your word says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Lord, let this love begin to manifest and let the load be lifted up. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. If you have given your life to Christ or you said that prayer with me this morning, there is an email at the bottom of the screen. Why don't you send it to the subject saying new life and we would send you resources and materials that would help you to grow and walk in the path that Christ has ordained for you. There is no better place to be than to be in Christ. God bless you and enjoy the rest of the service. Amen.